Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'm the other Jacinda, slightly less famous, but, uh, but way more local. Uh, if I've not met you before, uh, you know my name now, and I'm one of the pastors here at Coast Vineyard, and it is my absolute pleasure to sort of jump into this series that we're doing at the moment called, uh, it's all around Psalms, and we've called it Keeping It Real, because that's one of the things that we love about the book of Psalms. It's this collection of 150 uh, poems and songs that uh, just pour out uh, the hearts of the writers in really honest ways, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite books is just that they model this way of being with God and of expressing themselves before God and to him in a way that is just it's just real it's raw it's honest it's rich and it invites us to do the same thing it gives us language to be able to do that and to make uh, the words of some of those psalms our own and it kind of gives us language. Sometimes when we're learning to pray or even when we're kind of in different situations in life, we can feel a little bit like, I just don't know, I don't know what the words are. I don't know how to bring this to God. And, and Psalms can be that place that actually gives us language to be able to add to our, our prayer lives. Uh, it's a book that's been designed for reading and rereading many times over, over a lifetime. This is not a book that, it's not like a novel, you know, like I, I love reading, I read novels, but I, like I read it once and it's, it's done, I'm moving on. This is not that. Psalms is, re, is, is written for us to read, to reread, to memorise, to kind of go deep with. It's, it's in my thinking, I often think of it like a corkscrew drill, there's probably a proper name for that, but if you were drilling for a well, if you were digging a really deep well, there's this corkscrew effect where you sort of come back around to the same place but you're further down, you're in deeper, and as you do that with scripture and particularly with Psalms, you bring yourself in a new way each time. You see it with fresh eyes each time and and it just kind of captures us in new ways every time that we do that. And that's what this book is for. It's been and it still is a place where God's people can encounter him. That was it was written for the people of Israel or collected for the people of Israel in around about the 6th BC and 6th century BC and that was when they were in exile in the Babylonian uh, era and and it was written for them, collected for them, put in order for them to be able to encounter God in that place. And as they did that, they got to rehear over and over and over again, as do we, the entire biblical story of God's kingdom. And it was sung back to them in poetry. Now, I'm not uh, an English major at school. I loved English, but history was more my thing. And poetry, I can sometimes find a little hard to understand. But, but scripture is actually full of poetry and songs and stories and metaphor. And it's, it captures our heart and our imagination, not just our logical linear mind, but also our imaginative mind as well. 
So these prayers that we find in Psalms, these laments, this, these songs of praise are meant to become our own. They're a gift to us. You know, God's people have been using these since around about the 6th century BC. Jesus would have grown up using these. They would have been formative as he grew up as a young Jewish, Jewish boy. He would have learnt them by heart. He would have memorised them. He would have prayed them. He would have sung them. And they are the world's words and the worldview that would have been part of his formation as he grew up. And formation is something I actually want us to think a little bit about as we come to Psalms today. Because if we're thinking about our, our own spiritual formation, it asks us the question, who am I becoming? Now, oftentimes when we are thinking about our lives or we're talking to one another, we're asking about what do you do, you know, what do you hope to do with your life, you know, all that kind of thing. But probably the more important question is actually, who am I becoming? Who are you becoming? And we're all being formed by something or someone. And so this is an opportunity we kind of want to come back to many times over as we follow Jesus in our lifetime, is for us to regularly check in on who is it or what is it that has the greatest amount of influence in my life? Who is the loudest voice? You know, the volumes turn right up. Because if it isn't Jesus, it will be something else. And we may end up becoming something that we never intended to be. And for God's people, we really need for God's word and for the person of Jesus to be the one that is forming us. John Tyson, who was a pastor in New York City, he says this, We must recognize that our formation into the likeness of Jesus will not happen on its own. It must be intentional. And if our eyes are not on Jesus, the world will ultimately pull us away from becoming like him and instead shape us into its, its image. So we may find that we end up in a place and become the kind of people we never wanted to become if we fix our eyes on Jesus, if we're intentional about allowing him through his word to be able to shape us and transform us and mold us and reorient us, we will become more like him. And as we revisit Psalms in this series, it can be a time for us to reflect on that. Like, what is the place of God's word in our own lives, in our own formation? How much influence do we allow God and his word to have in our own lives? Are we being intentional with filling up our heads and our hearts uh, with that and allowing it to shape us? I think during this time of COVID, uh, as I've talked to a number of different people and as I've talked to friends who are pastoring in other parts of the country and around the world, a, a lot of people are kind of finding, because we can't rely on the gathered church experience, we have kind of been forced into needing to reevaluate and take another look again at what have I got in place in my own life personally, what practices do I have that are nourishing my own relationship with God that then allow him to continue to form us and uh, mold us and reorient our lives. And that's a thing that each one of us are going to want to consider in this season. And Psalms is a wonderful place to help us with that. 
N.T. Wright, who, as you know, is one of my favourite uh, theologians. Uh, he's a British Anglican uh, bishop and author, and he wrote a book called The Case for the Psalms. He advocates strongly for the continued and daily use of psalms in our lives. In fact, he uh, reads five, or actually he's memorised a lot of them, he goes through five psalms a day and that's been his normal practice ever since he was young because of the tradition that he's grown up in. He, and he encourages us to embrace the steady rhythm and the deep soul searching of the psalms themselves. These are good for us and this is what he says. The Psalms offer us a way of joining in a chorus of praise and prayer that has been going on for millennia and across all cultures. I propose that the regular praying and singing of the Psalms is transformative. It changes the way we understand some of the deepest elements of who we are, or rather who, where, when, and what we are. Psalms will gently but firmly transform our understandings of all of them and they do this in order that we may be changed transformed so that we look at the world one another and ourselves in a radically different way which we believe to be God's way you know we can read scripture for information uh, and that's not a bad thing to do that's what we it's we learn a lot there uh, and you may have been guilty, like me, of reading scripture because I had this kind of good Christian to-do list, you know, and you'd just go, okay, I've just, I'm on this Bible reading plan, I've just got to bang through the list and tick it off. I quite like to-do lists where I can tick stuff off. But that doesn't allow for us necessarily to slow down enough to be able to actually come and encounter Jesus there. And today, that's what I want us to do together, is to invite each one of us at home. Uh, I know some of you are meeting in small groups in your homes. I know the young adults have got some groups getting together this morning. Well, wherever we find ourselves, but to actually just sort of pause and to slow down and to come with an expectation of encountering God in the psalm that we're going to kind of dive deep into. And as we do that, to allow him to shape our worldview. Our worldview isn't what we see, it's the way we see it. It's the lenses, like my glasses, it's the lenses that we see the world through. And God can change that. He moulds our character. He frames our reading of scripture and shapes our understanding of who we are and our place in his kingdom activity here on earth. And he reorients us regularly as his word sinks deep within us. You don't even have to take my word for it. One of the things that we're loving is that some of you are sending us uh, short video clips uh, telling us what your favourite psalm is and why it is meaningful for you. So why don't we just take a minute and we're going to listen to Nathaniel talk about a psalm that has become formational for him. So why don't we listen to that now? I love the psalms. There's so many of them and they're just such an incredible way to communicate with God and for God to communicate with us. Um, in particular, Psalm 27 has been a favourite of mine for many, many years, and it's got me through some real, real tough times. Um, yeah, I used to be a very anxious teenager when I was younger, and I remember just lying awake late at night worrying about things, especially worrying whether God actually loved me and whether I was forgiven and such. And this psalm really helped me through these times. The first verse especially, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? 
I just remember lying awake at night and I'd repeat those words over and over and over again in my head until it sunk into my heart and I really believed it. And it's so good. Those, it would just take my focus off my problems and turn them to God, which is what I think the Psalms are so good for. And later on, it says, verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Unless I had believed in the goodness of God, if I hadn't believed in that promise, like the promises God has for us, I would have given up long ago, you know? But because God, you know, he promises, we'll see his goodness. And that doesn't mean life will be easy, but, you know, he's always there for us. It really gives me strength. Um, and then the next verse is, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And again, it speaks so much of, I guess, the true, the true nature of Christianity. Wait on the Lord, like get to know God, spend time with God, um, develop a deep personal relationship with Him. Because I know the times I feel most distant from God um, are the times when I haven't spent time with God, when I haven't waited on the Lord. And when I do, I notice such a difference in my life. Isn't that awesome? I love the way that God will use his word to be so significant in our lives. And that's what each of us wants, right? So today, I thought what we could do is take a deep dive into one of my favorite psalms. There was a few to choose from. It was a bit tough actually picking, but uh, I chose Psalm 23. And one of the reasons I did that was because it's probably the one that I remember the longest. I, I grew up in the Anglican Church and uh, we regularly used psalms as part of our liturgical services. And Psalm 23 is, even though I didn't remember all of it, there were fragments of it that I still remember from when I was young, when my parents took me to church. And, and it's come alive to me as I've chosen my own journey with God as I got older and, uh, and I would revisit it. It's kind of one of my default favorites. And... Uh, and earlier this year, it became probably even more precious to me. In February, Brian Zand, who was a pastor from the States and an author, remember those days when people could come and visit real easy from other countries? He was out here in February, and he did a one-day prayer school, which I went to with a, a few people here from Coast. And he was teaching us uh, a way of using liturgy to pray in our own personal devotions each day, and part of that was to read Psalm 23 each day. And so for me, Psalm 23 has come alive in a whole new way this year. And uh, golly, I started that before all the COVID stuff and it has just been um, a part of a lifeline for me in my times with God in the morning each day. And so I went with Psalm 23. It's kind of an oldie but a goodie, one that we all uh, probably have some reference for. It's one of those ones, even if I talk to people who aren't necessarily in church and don't have faith, they've often heard parts of Psalm 23, even though they don't know where that is. Uh, the, the Lord is my shepherd is the thing that comes to mind for them uh, when I talk about it. Now, Walter Brueggemann, who is an American theologian and probably one of the most influential Old Testament scholars, he wrote a book called The Message of the Psalms, and he characterizes all 150 psalms uh, into three movements, orientation, disorientation and reorientation. And he says that Psalms uh, reflects our human experience of that. That uh, orientation is when everything feels good, everything feels right and we're content in our lives. 
disorientation, which some of us might be feeling in the season that we're in of constant change and uncertainty, is when life feels difficult, it, when it's dark, when it feels broken or uncertain. And th those are times where we lament and we sing songs of lament. There is despair. And then there's this reorientation, when God pulls us out of the brokenness of life and we're brought to a deeper sense of an awareness and gratitude of him. And Brueggemann argues that we go through these rhythms of orientation and disorientation and reorientation and as part of our natural human experience. And that is the beauty of Psalm 23. It's perhaps one of the reasons why it's the most famous passage in human history. In this single passage, says Daniel Fong in a, in a uh, blog post about uh, Walter Brueggemann's writing, he said that um, in this single passage, all three movements exist, orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. Psalm 23 is a compilation of the entire rhythm of the human experience, which is a pretty profound thing, considering it's only about six verses long. So we're going to read that together, but before we do, I want us to just take a moment and sort of slow down a little. In my work as a spiritual director, one of my jobs is to help people to slow down enough that they can notice the activity of God in their lives. And as we want to come this morning, that's what I want to invite each one of us to do. Wherever we are, it may be you can actually sit with this and, and spend a little more time with us right now in this moment. Or it might be that it's just a little too chaotic and you can revisit this a little bit later on. But I would really encourage you to make time today or in the next couple of days to spend some time with Psalm 23 and notice what God catches your attention with. As I begin reading this, I, I wanted to show you a little icon that I have. This is, um, icons are used within the Eastern Orthodox uh, stream of the church as part of their worship. And on this one, it is a picture of Jesus as the shepherd carrying a sheep. And I identify quite strongly with that sheep uh, at times. And so that's the image, the intimacy, the care, the load that Jesus carries as our shepherd that I want us to sort of have in our framework as we think about this piece of scripture. Because shepherding in the Middle East is quite different from shepherding here. Now we have sheep and Matt pops out to visit them because we've got lambs at the moment so they are very cute to visit. But he pops out every day usually and just checks on them, makes sure they're okay and they have learnt that when he comes he often brings treats and so they come running over when they hear him calling him calling them across, but the rest of the day, they, we just leave them to themselves. And we'll go on holiday and we'll sort of just, you know, they'll be fine. In the Middle East, that's not like that. And it's, it's still like this today. We, we got to visit there a few years ago and people are shepherding in, in much the same way as they did at the time of Jesus. There's no fences around paddocks. The shepherds have smaller flocks and they lead them. And they take them day by day to wherever there is water, where there's good um, grass for them to eat. And so he has to train the sheep to actually know his voice. And he has to know the sheep. It's a much more intimate relationship than when we think about shepherding here. And so that's the image. That's, that's what I want us to be thinking about. As we come into this place of looking at Jesus as our shepherd, the Lord being our shepherd, is to think about that in a much more personal much more intimate space than what possibly we've done before. You might have noticed that in scripture, 
poetry, metaphors, story, all of that ignites our imagination. And we are okay to actually use our imagination as we read scripture. God uses that to capture us and to bring things alive to us. And so if that happens for you as you listen to this, don't worry. That's actually God, God's way of using how he's made us to be able to meet with him. We want to bring all of who we are, our heart, our mind, our imagination, all to him this morning as we meet with him. So I'm going to read this piece of scripture in three ways. I, um, for whatever reason, have memorized this when I was young from the English Standard Version um, translation. And so that's the one I'm going to use. And then I'm going to read an expanded version where I've made it more personal, where I unpack just as a way to demonstrate for you how you might want to do this, uh, what each part of that psalm stimulates or triggers in my own head and my heart. And then I've got, uh, if we've got time, I've got American um, Christian philosophers, Dallas Willard, his version of an extended version of Psalm 23, so that we can just see different ways that that this meets with each one of us and, and maybe to encourage us to be able to take some time and do this ourselves with God. As I read, you don't have to watch the words. We're going to have the words up on the screen, but you don't have to read. You can actually settle in and just close your eyes to picture it as you hear it and to notice what comes to mind for you as you hear it. What word or phrase captures your attention? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to notice as you listen? So settle in, sit back, close your eyes, and as best you're able, fix your attention on God and on his word as you hear it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, the one who rescues me, who searches for me even if I lose my way, who cares for me, who carries me close, and provides for me and protects me. I shall not want. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. How can I come to a place that all of my wants are satisfied in Jesus too? How can I be content in your provision for me? that I would know the reality of living a life without lack. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures because I am well fed and I can relax in your care. So much so that I can rest when you lead me. He leads me beside still waters. I am no longer thirsty because you satisfy me. You are leading. My job is to follow. You lead me to places that are places of safety and rest. And it is there that he restores my soul. And I need restoration for my whole being. And you are doing it, Lord, actively today. The totality of what it means to be human, my mind, my body, my spirit, my emotions, and my will, you are restoring and making me whole. And as you do that, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake because you are leading me and because you are restoring my soul you enable me to walk on your right paths even when those paths lead me through the darkest valleys and even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will feel fear no evil i don't have to live in fear of death of evil even in the face of pain and suffering and uncertainty or in the face of COVID. I do not have to fear and I can do this only because you are with me. And this is the crux of it all. You are with me. I am never left alone to face either the mountaintops or the valleys. And this is where my confidence lies, my security lies, is in your constant loving presence. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your strength and your protection and your wise guidance bring me comfort and safety. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You make room for me to join you in a banquet, to eat with you. How friendly, how generous and how inclusive you are of me. And you do this in the presence of my enemies. Whether they are people or the broken parts of myself, I am safe and I am included here all of me and if I am welcome then all are welcome including my enemies you anoint my head with oil you honor and welcome me with your generous hospitality you make me feel comfortable and special and loved and set apart and chosen you bless me with a life that is free and full and my cup overflows. You give me so much that I not only have enough, I have more than enough, more than I need, so that I can overflow and give it away without fear of ever running out. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't have to fear what's to come 
Your goodness is ever present as I follow you, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this wonder of life lived with you here and now will be mine to experience forever. Amen and amen. That's a way that we can take a piece of scripture and make it much more personal and allow God to, as you sit with each line, each phrase, it might be even each word on some of those sentences, that he adds to it within your current context, within the season that you're in right now, and make it come alive as he speaks to you. Dallas Willard, who was a, a wonderful Christian philosopher and author, he wrote a book called Life Without Lack, and it's totally based on Psalm 23. And this is his version of his expanded version of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I have life without lack. In his green pastures I have eaten my fill, so I lie down. At his still waters my thirst is satisfied. He heals and reintegrates my broken depths in his eternal life, so I can walk in paths of righteousness on his behalf. Even though I go through loss, hunger, disease, aging, and death, I will fear no evil because, Jesus, you are with me. Your strong rod and protective staff put me at liberty. Your abundant provision is a feast for me, so I am happy to share with my enemies. You give me hot showers and warm fluffy towels, joyful experiences and deep relationships to make me feel clean and special and powerful. My cup runs over, so I can be generous without ever running out. Surely this world is a perfectly safe place for me to be, because I dwell and abide with God in the fullness of his life, in the kingdom of the heavens forever. Truly this is a life without lack. As you've listened... So those three different versions of Psalm 23, what has caught your attention? What's the Lord's personal invitation to you today? It may be that as you've listened, you've gone, oh, I need him to restore my soul. I want to lie down in green pastures. Or it may be that that one phrase, that one line, that you are with me is the only thing that really you heard. Why don't you spend some time with that today? And maybe now, if you've got time, to write that down and to spend time allowing God to speak to you about what it is that he wants to say in and through that to you today. Or it may be that you want to turn that into the beginnings of your own prayer, your own psalm. Or you might want to write a prayer of thanks in response. Or you could just do an expanded version of Psalm 23 for yourself. Or it may just be that you sit quietly and rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I guess my encouragement really is, is just that we actually take our time reading Psalms, that as N.T. Wright encourages us, let's, let's recapture 
reading these and placing these somewhere within the rhythm of our reading of Scripture, that they would bring life to us and anchor us and reorient us to Jesus. Let's finish with something that he would say to us, not Jesus, N.T. Wright, I mean. He says this, Sing these songs, and they will renew you from head to toe, from heart to mind. Pray these poems, and they will sustain you on the long, hard, but exhilarating road of Christian discipleship. We want Psalms to come alive for us. That's why we're spending time on this series, right in the midst of all that life has right for, going on for us right now. This is a place for us to re-anchor ourselves and reorient ourselves in a helpful way. And as we do, these words that we, we read will increasingly become our own as we encounter God and as he forms us from within. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or, of course, we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.